we are the They're gold like standard. They, they formed themselves to be the gold standard mm-hmm. in startup company culture. And now when you call them on it, it's like, they're going to huff and puff and, and try and blow the house down. You're listening to the Snob OS podcast, the podcast for Apple snobs. Hi, this is Nika Monford, a.k.a. Tech Savvy Diva. Yo, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech. And you're listening and or watching The Snob OS Show, the show for Apple snobs where we talk all things Apple and then some. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of The Snob OS Show where we are going to get into the latest tech news of the week. So we'll go ahead and start with the lowdown where we talk all things Apple. And first up on the docket, um, probably the biggest thing to come out of Apple since last week's um, uh, Apple Spring uh, Loaded event, the drop of iOS 14.5, the latest drop of um, iPad OS, and the latest drop of Watch OS. But we will definitely start with iOS 14.5 and talk about all of the new upgrades that come with this latest update. So I'm assuming you've already updated your devices? Yes, I have. Okay, Mm -hmm. and I have updated mine as well. Um, So I think the two biggest things that came out of this upgrade is the app tracking transparency feature that caused quite a bit of hubbub with some of the other social media sites and um, other um, vendors who use tracking um, to 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 go into the advertising and marketing, and also um, the the new feature that allows you to um, use your Apple Watch to unlock your phone. So let's let's dive into it. Um, let's start with, um, you want to start with the new Siri voices? Yeah. So, um, there's a bunch of things like Nika mentioned, you know, this is actually as far as visible things that people will actually use. In my opinion, iOS 14.5 has several, you know, features that people will definitely use directly or directly be benefited from, uh, like Nika mentioned, app tracking, uh, but probably the most popular one is the Face ID un- or the uh, Apple Watch Unlock. But one of the cool things that I saw that I wanted to talk about was uh, new Siri voices. Um, instead of it just being, you know, or actually, let me get my phone out so I can give all of the versions. So instead of just having one or two versions of uh, male and female, depending on what country or what um, language you choose, there are several other Siri voices that you can actually choose from. And I actually went through to check them out and they are definitely better as far as natural language. It doesn't sound as robotic in the default Siri voices. But in addition to that, there are several other uh, voices that actually do a good job of giving you, I don't want to say different dialect, but 
you can definitely tell a difference, I'm, right? I'm Siri. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. Yeah, so Nick is doing it now, right? So there's one lady that is like, this sounds like a black lady. <laughs> and I hate to put it like that, but it's just, I, I, I say it like that because you can actually tell in the difference. It's, she, you know, it's not, again, it's the natural language. They did a good job of putting a natural language in there to where you can definitely tell it's a different person. Mm-hmm. Now, again, in my head of heads, this is a a, a well-educated black lady, <laughs> black lady talking, not 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 stereotypical, you know, auntie type, mm-hmm. you know, but definitely a cultured <laughs> black lady. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, I, again, I say all that to say it's a nice selection. So they've got, um, you know, a four. If you if you choose American, right, there's four different choices for the. You know what? I'll just let you listen to them so we can get here. So here's one. Hi, I'm Siri. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. Right, so that's one. Hi, I'm Siri. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. And that's the one for a lady. Hi, I'm Siri. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. That sounds like a brother. That sounds like a black man. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. That's the default one. So the one I think is like a a, a code switching black lady is number two. Choose the voice you'd like me to use. Yeah, definitely. So. They definitely got some black voices, a black man <laughs> voice and a black lady voice. Right now, I currently have um, an Australian lady okay. as my um, virtual assistant. Uh, I may have to switch it over to the black lady. Yeah. So uh, and in addition to that, they've got a couple of them. I don't know if these are all defaults. But I know they've got South African now, Irish. The total is South African, Irish, Indian. British, Australian, and American. And within each of those, there are a couple different ones. Yeah, so all that to say. You got some um, options with Siri. You got voice. some options, right? So that's a that's a nice that's a nice uh uh addition. And it definitely Iowa. does sound more natural. Mm-hmm. It's not robotic, you know. You think of the first, you know, Siri super robotic now. She's very Natural speaking. And well, I guess so since they nice stole look. that lady's voice, I guess they figured they better. Let's change it up and not use a distorted person's voice without their knowledge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was cool. And uh, like I said, a couple other things, probably the most thing that you'll probably, you know, use immediately is the um, iPhone unlock using your Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. And it only works. So here are a couple, you know, scenarios, you know, because the first thing you think of is like, well, the whole purpose of using Face ID is better security, right? Because it knows your face. If it's not using your face to unlock your phone, then how is it so secure? Well, the reason why it's so insecure is because Apple is they're making a couple of assumptions, which are correct assumptions. Right. So your phone and your Apple Watch have to be paired. Right. Number one. Number two. Your watch has to be on your wrist. Number three, it has to be unlocked. And number four, it has to be in near proximity of your phone. So the only way being able to unlock your iPhone with your Apple Watch, if it meets those four conditions, and if you and if, of course, if your face ID notices you have a mask on. So if it does, if you don't have a mask on, it unlocks via the normal face ID. Or if you, you know, don't use face ID, you gotta put your pin in. But it only unlocks with your watch is if it notices you have a mask on and it's like fast. It, it is. It does, it's not like a, 
reading, 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 reading. Oh, he has a mask on. Let me unlock. It's like you you click the sleep, uh, you click the press the sweet sleep wake button, or you you know if you got attention turned on and you look at your watch and it's locked. I mean, it's like instantaneous. It's very smooth, very snappy. And I know yeah. I tried it by just covering my my face my face with my hand, mm-hmm. and it worked the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it definitely detects if your you know your mouth or your lower half of your face is being blocked, and it lets you in pretty fast. Yeah. So that's probably the most beneficial thing because in addition to just being out and about and having to look at my phone. You know, I'm uh, I use my specifically for password manager. Right. So I use LastPass and I use Face ID to unlock LastPass. And there's been plenty of times where I'm out and about and I've got my mask on and it's asked for a password. And it's like. So I turn I turn aside and kind of have to sneak it. Yep. Right. Right. Sneak let it in because I don't feel like uh, I can't even remember what my master password is for (laughs) LastPass. Right. And I ain't got time to look that up. So I do the sneak mash removal just to unlock the password just to get into whatever account I'm getting into and then I go about my business. So this will definitely be a much needed, you know, benefit to those of us who are still deciding to wear masks, even though pretty much everything is open back up now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I know I had to drop my um I picked my dog up from I went and got him groomed today and I was talking to the lady at the who was checking me out. And oh, she's like, oh, let me put my mask on since you're since you're in. So I guess she keeps it off when no one's in the in the like four what forty eight entry area. And I was like, oh yeah, I was like, yeah, I got my second one today. She's like, oh, you don't even have to wear a mask. And I was like, I'm still going to wear a mask. And like you just got <laughs> it, so there's still that holding period of when I still you know, got two weeks. I'm only what three days in. <laughs> these people so, out here are bugging. They, they are ready to be free. <laughs> So, All right. Yep. All right. The next big thing, um, AirTags. Yeah. So basically, um, if you did purchase AirTags, you know, Apple uh, updated the your phone for support. So, you know, again, once AirTags come out, you know, uh, you'll be able to use your phone, depending on which one you have. If you have an older version of iPhone, it'll just kind of give you like a, a pin location. But if you have an iPhone 11 or iPhone 12, It'll be more of a heads up display will actually point you to the right direction as to where your actual air tag is. So they updated the support for that. And then probably the last thing, the most notable thing, uh, Apple Maps update. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, what they've done is they've copied ways. <laughs> Good for them. <laughs> yeah, they've copied ways. You know, no bones about it. But they've copied ways uh, technology to where. When you are driving, of course, it's all done by Siri. So you can, you're not supposed to be touching on your touching on your phone, which I think is the one benefit over ways to where you can actually say, hey, Siri, uh, there's a cop or I, I don't know what the actual verbiage is, but you can uh, do incident reporting. Like if there's traffic, you know, you can tell Siri, hey, there's traffic here. Uh, you can say, hey, there was an accident or you can say, hey, there's a speed trap. You know, there you know, police officers here. You use Siri in your car. You know, you do that. She walks you through the steps. It's, uh, you know, I, I forget the actual prompts, but basically hands free. You can use Siri and Apple Maps to report like a traffic traffic, you know, an accident or, you know, like police activity. So that's probably one thing that people will probably definitely use with this latest update. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I'll maybe try it out, but only with some place that I know where I'm going. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because like, I, I, I think I've mentioned this before, probably on a, on a much earlier episode is that it tried to, um, take me in a ditch. Um, <laughs> a couple times, so I was like, I stick strictly with uh, Google Maps locally, and if I'm getting on the interstate, I definitely will will use ways to kind of pinpoint uh, any types of traps or or anything like that. One thing I will say, there was an update to the podcast app. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I haven't really noticed. Uh, what the redesign is supposed to do. Uh, maybe I haven't played around with it enough, but it doesn't look too different to me. Well, I, I will say, well, again, it's been a while since I've been in the podcast app, but they do a better job visually with just like the logos of the um, different podcasts. I think they've added more... Uh, um, not resolutions, right? But you can make more rich, more uh, visually appealing uh, podcast icons, and the podcast app will display those, mm-hmm. which maybe we need to do a, a redesign soon here. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, because yeah. I was like, some of the podcasts that I normally listen to, I'm like, this looks exactly the same as it always done. As it always has. And I'm, you know, reading a little blurb from uh, the article, one of the articles that we're referencing, we'll put it in the show notes from Colta Mac, and they are ta- calling it a top to bottom overhaul and a redesigned show pages. Maybe that's it. Maybe I need to go to the show page instead of just when you click play, you know, mm-hmm. that screen. Maybe that's where uh, the disconnect is for me. And then it's, it seems like it's switching the subscribe. Uh, to follow now instead of subscribe. So I think I may have to do a little bit more digging into it to kind of see yeah, what they with it on, Yeah, I'm playing with it on my phone now. And it does for those high-end podcasts now. Uh-huh. And for, you know, everybody and their mama can have a podcast, you know, good and bad. Uh, but for some of these high-end, you know, featured you know, uh, one of these highlighted podcasts. That Maybe Apple I need to look there. at one of those. Yeah, if you click on some of these, you know, you can. I can tell there's a little bit. Uh, they've done some, you know, cleaning up, and they've made things more evident. Like, you know, if you click on a particular podcast, you know, you get a big latest episode button. Um, you know, it gives you more details. You know about individual podcasts, so it may not overhaul. Maybe a stretch. But some of the high end, top tier, you know, highlighted uh, podcasts, you can tell some of the interface. You can tell they updated and cleaned it up a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> well, we may have a little work to do on our end because we do want to look like the high end. Uh, we, we, we get there. We yeah. Get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think the last, uh, of course, there's some new emojis. Um, it's not that many, uh, from what I can tell, it says it brings uh, six new emojis, including face exhaling. Uh, and it looks like, uh, skin tones for couples. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess it's If you're into that kind of thing, I don't run across people who use them too often. I have one set up and 
you know, I just left it alone. Yeah. But uh, if you're into that, which I would suppose these young kids are, you know. Yeah, we, because we're all more culturally aware. So you um, have, you know, mixed race couples, mixed race families, same uh, gendered um, couples and families. So I get it. People want to be mm-hmm. represented. So I get it. Yep. And I think the biggest thing uh, that has been talked about the most is this app tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we've talked about it several times on previous shows where this new app tracking transparency feature, um, it blocks third party applications from tracking users without their distinct permission. So, you know, before you can kind of, they'll put a little button on the bottom that says, you know, you can opt out or something, but it's not anything overt where you'll know Mm -hmm. that, oh, I just agreed to let them follow me wherever I go, even when I'm off this app. Um, So now it's a brand new pop-up that says, allow app to track your activities across other companies and apps and websites. And it gives you two options, ask app not to track or allow. Allow means you are giving the third party permission to track you wherever you go. The wording on it is a little bit kind of, if you don't pay attention, you might click the wrong thing. But um, ask app not to track means no, don't track me. Allow means yes, allow me to track you. You know, and, you know, we may be a little bit scary, right? Basically, what this means is the way it works. And I'm not a app. I'm not a, a marketing advertising genius or guru or anything like that. But the way advertisers make money is by putting ad, putting ads on websites, putting ads in apps, putting ads all over the place, right? That's how we're getting a lot of websites free. That's why we're getting a lot of social media stuff for free because ads support it. Well, the way things have been working is the advertisers have gotten smart. Specifically, let's just use Facebook as an example. If you start in Facebook and you see something that you like, whether it be a video, whether it be a totally different ad or a product or whatever the case may be, you click on it, it opens up, it takes you out of Facebook and takes you to this new website. And then you may you you may click on that for a little bit. You may browse, you may purchase something, whatever. You may subscribe to a newsletter, whatever the case may be. You go someplace else. You go to another website, ESPN or CNN. You know what Facebook has done is they've been able to create this technology that will then follow you to these different spots and say, oh, okay, well, he clicked on ESPN. He checked out this product. He read this article. He subscribed to this thing. He must like these things. So when he gets back to Facebook, we now have this information. Now we're going to show you all these ads. For From these the places you that went. He, that yeah. The places that you went. So what Apple is now doing is saying, hey, you can't just do that off top. You got to let people know. That's what you do. <laughs> if you leave Facebook and click on these things, we're going to follow you around. In the hopes that we could serve you better, serve you better ads, serve more relevant, whatever, whatever they want to do. Now it's up to you to decide, OK, I'm fine with that or not as creepy or nine with that. Don't do it. So you got those two options. Well, again, you know, and we'll, we've talked about it before. Facebook is tripping 
because they're like, oh, nobody's going to do it. I don't think that's the case. Not at all. People are going to see that and say, well, I do want to get relevant ad information because I just don't want to get random stuff. You know, if you're going to, if you're going, if, if I'm going, if I have to do ads because ads are everywhere, you can't avoid them. I would much rather get ads that are relevant to the things I do. Click, go, visit, whatever the case may be. Sure. But Facebook is so paranoid <laughs> that they're assuming that they're going to lose their whole ad marketing, that just they just really just people. went all the way left right. with just their because they've been able to do it without anybody unchecked. telling them unchecked without anybody telling them otherwise. Now that they have to tell people. They're just assuming, oh, everything's going to crash. So that's why they went on this whole offensive and saying, hey, small businesses, if Apple does this, everybody's not going to stop using your ads. You're going to lose money. You're going to go broke. You're going to go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But in when in actuality, you're just giving people the option. And, and if they people, had sold it that way, they right. wouldn't look like a bunch of crybaby whiny mm-hmm. babies. Mm-hmm. They're <laughs> taking my toy away and they won't give it back to me. Now I got to go and fight them. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's what that is. So basically uh, you'll start to see those as the developers, you know, adjust to this new privacy tracking and the re- they'll start to, they'll, you'll start to see them rolling kind of fast because until they turn this on, they won't be able to track you at all. Right. So it's way, it's the way it should be. Yeah. Advertisers won't be able to track you until they tell you we're going to track you. And then ask for permission. Once they do that, then you'll be able to say allow. And it might be annoying at first because you you won't you won't know all the different places you travel on your iPhone or on your website or on your browser until you start to get all these pop ups. This Apple actually tracking, and you'll get on your nerves. But then after a while, they kind of fall away. Yeah. Because like I said, these advertisers they want to track you in order to serve you relevant ads. So they've got to implement this in order to actually get that, you know, that dollars. And honestly, I don't think you'll see a huge amount all at one time. Um, I think Facebook has said before that they plan on rolling this out, you know, over a stretch of time. I'm sure other apps are following suit. But once you make your decision of whether you want this particular act to track track you or not, then that's done. You've made your decision. You won't mm-hmm. see a pop-up for that site again. Mm-hmm. And as Terrence mentioned, one of the things with this with this new update is if the developer doesn't integrate this into their um, app, they won't be able, they're, they're blocked from everything. Mm-hmm. And it's called, um, they'll be blocked. We're now switching over to another article from Call to Mac. And they're saying that until they push their app live with these changes based on this transparency tracking feature, they are blocked from tracking users via, via Apple's identifier of advertisers, AKA IF, IDFA. So like you said, that's the way it should be. If you can't follow along with what the rules are, you don't get any of the benefits until you get on board and give your users, your customers, Put the control in their hands for them to mm-hmm. say, yes, I want you to track me to give me more relevant information. Or no, I don't want you tracking me at all. Right. I mean, it's only right. I mean, it. this is how it's supposed to be. Right. <laughs> Apparently, that's not the case. But slowly but surely, things are starting to turn around. And I can see other companies like... Following you know, suit. Yeah, start following suit. I mean, come on. Come yeah. On. Some people aren't going to care. 
Right. Um, some people are, and some are going to be fairly indifferent. Mm. So I don't think they're going to lose the market share for their advertising bucks as they think that they are. And again, Apple is a huge juggernaut. So even what they lose, they're still getting uh-huh. a lot of info. Right. To, you know, to be able to sell to to other people. So I think it's a big hubbub, you know, about nothing, particularly on the folks who are against it. Mm-hmm. And for the folks that are for it, I think it just adds another layer of security. And Apple can continue to say that they are one of the leading companies in um, compliance and leading companies in protecting their their users' information. Mm-hmm. Is what I think it really you know boils down to. But I think it's a, a great start. And again, I think some of the other um, phone companies will start to to follow suit and have their own version. Of this as well. Yep. Yep. All right. The last thing uh, I want to talk about in um, the lowdown is that there is a next gen um, Apple Silicon chip that has moved into production. It's tentatively being called M2, mm-hmm. and um, they're expecting it to be included in the MacBooks for the second half of the year. I've mm-hmm. said this many times on the show. I love the new M1 uh, Max. Um, I want one for myself. I just want one with a bigger screen. And mm-hmm. I think I probably won't be able to get this until the fall Apple event um, mm-hmm. because it sounds like one of the biggest differentiators between the first set of uh, MacBooks, the 13-inch MacBooks that were released. So it was a, a Mac, it was a, a, a Mac Mini macbook air and uh, macbook pro that they released with the m1 chip last year um and so it looks like for this next generation which will probably be a all new macbook pro line with your 14 inch and your 16 inch the differentiator will be these now have the m2 chip um instead of the m1 chip right and most importantly which is probably why you don't see a macbook is there a macbook pro m1 or just the the macbook air and the uh it's a pro it's a thir- the is, 13 inch pro. okay but it's a 13 inch right yeah. so um i'm reading in the story by uh, nine to five mac and probably the main difference which is what i have now and i'm using up every single last port is the m2 or the m1x however they call it will have four thunderbolt ports the m1 chips with the macbook air and then the macbook pro only have the two ports for Thunderbolt. So if you had like multiple Thunderbolt connections, you'd have to buy a a big hub or a dock, yeah. and those can get expensive. You know, anywhere from seventy, eighty to like two hundred fifty dollars to Especially get. Especially depending on the processor, since this M1 chip processor is a little bit different. Right. Um, I'm sure that those hubs probably have gone up in price as well. Right. So with the M2 chip, you're going to have the traditional four Thunderbolt ports in like your 13 and maybe even a 15 inch uh, MacBook Pro, which are slowly but surely more accessories, more companies, more brands are starting to adopt Thunderbolt ports or Thunderbolt connectivity. You know, so like I said, right now I've got a microphone, I've got a camera, I've got my battery power and I've got my Ethernet, all of them uh, that the 
the the keep the bleh, the microphone and the camera I've plugged into a travel USB C hub that connects to two Thunderbolt ports. Then I've got my Ethernet in a separate Thunderbolt port. And I got my battery power in a second one. So that's four. So if I was interested in getting a 15, 15 inch MacBook Pro, I need those four ports. Mm-hmm. So um, the M1 chip wouldn't be able to do it. So for most people, I'm assuming that is the case. Yep. So, you know, they'll be waiting for this M2 chip. Yeah. And it looks like they the they've already started the production on these uh, M2 chips. Um, and they're expecting um, that the chips will be available for mass supply as early as July, which tracks for them to make the announcement likely in September and likely for them to be available for shipping probably sometime close to to holiday time. Right. And we're looking in the rumors, talking about you know MacBook Pros, looking like rumored to be a 14-inch and a 16-inch. So maybe they'll do away. With the 15 inch. Looks uh, like it. And they'll have MagSafe will come back. So if you're not familiar with MagSafe, the little magnetic connector that would just snap to. on yep. right, to charge it. And SD card reader and HDMI ports. So you know, SD card readers are important for like photographers mm-hmm. when they want to take pictures and uh, quickly connect them to their MacBook in order to edit them. And HDMI for people, you know, who want to connect to multiple external displays. So those are all the type of little features, different ports, you know, that MacBook, that Pro users are accustomed to. So, you know, if you are one of those people, you definitely probably want to wait and, you know, resist trying to the get temptation. Here. Just wait for a little bit longer and you'll get everything you want. Yep. All right. I believe that is it for the lowdown. Let's head on over to Second String where we talk all other tech. Um, kicking off uh, Second String this week is we're starting with Uber. So uh, Uber has made some uh, feature changes to their app um, as it relates to this new world that we live in, you know, currently with COVID and what that's going to look like post COVID. So, um, their, uh, Uber is releasing about more than a half a dozen new features. Um, we're reading this from TechCrunch, um, which includes, um, allowing users to book their vaccine appointments at Walgreens and reserve a ride to get their shot. Um, so it's incorporating, you know, the whole, you know, get us get signed up to get a shot and we'll get you delivered there as well. This all follows under what they're calling the quote, go get strategy, mm-hmm. um, which means they are trying to get back to some semblance of normalcy since the world pretty much shut down. Ride shares, of course, dropped because more people were staying home. So they're trying to come get up with money. with features <laughs> that will get people back into their service. So um, in addition to the vaccine booking, um, they'll have a, a valet service that will drop off your rental car. That's dope. Reserve rides at an airport that offer up to an hour of wait time. Uh, options to pick up food during your route. So if you're going from the airport to home, Yo, I'm hungry. You can stop on the way home to get some food. Um, one of the other things that I thought was very interesting as well is that they have this new feature called uh, shoot, Uber Rent with Valet. So this allows you 
and this is for the U.S., it allows you to rent a car through the Uber app. Mm-hmm. And then the vehicle is delivered to you mm-hmm. wherever you are, whether mm-hmm. that be at the house, whether it be the airport, whatever the case may be. So I think, you know, what they're what they're doing, these new features, I definitely think it might entice people, you know, especially with the world, you know, opening back up, whether it be prematurely in some people's eyes or not. It looks like they are preparing to be ready to go in this post-COVID world. And um, <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> bummed about it, but uh, just reading into the story, you know, uh, that Nico's reading from TechCrunch, you know, uh, <laughs> I guess Uber's decided to change course and some of the things that they want to hopefully provide in the future. Um, so they kind of list towards the end of the story about all the things that Uber was doing and decided to pivot or offload or sell. So one of the things that they offloaded was their autonomous air taxi business, Uber Elevate. So I don't know if anybody remembers this, but, you know, Uber trying to be the concept company, you know, they uh, created this big presentation about these helicopters. Yeah, they were like um, VTOLs, you know, vertical takeoff and landing to where, you know, you go, they, they had this big presentation where you can like go to the roof of some swanky hotel mm-hmm. or an airport, right? Go to the roof, you know, this, this, I don't know if it was autonomous or it was, it was piloted or not. I think it so, was piloted. I think yeah, it would come and, and drop down, you know, I could see this being something cool to, to, a to flex. Stunt. Yeah. Yeah. To stun a little bit. Yeah. To where, you know, definitely. You could, get, you could get from, from, you know, like this designated building. That had this, you know, port or pad at the top. Helipad. Yeah, to like a big, uh, um, like a big event, like a, a concert, or you know, like uh, from the, to the airport to a hotel to something, whatever. I could see prom doing this. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. proposals. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many use cases. Right, but they exnated <laughs> <laughs> that. That's not making us no money. <laughs> uh, they had some sort of micro mobility unit. I'm not sure what that was. Um, and they get rid of a, a stake in its logistics arm, Uber Freight. Uh, they've maintained equity in all these businesses. So they pretty much just sold off these businesses to other companies, let them develop it, let them build it up, let them, let them, you know, release it. And then, you know, Apple, I mean, Uber will take a little bit of credit of that. But again, I just want to go back to, that's good because some of the things that they are rolling out are much more beneficial. Yeah. And the fact that they bought Postmates as well as Drizzly. I mean, I've used Drizzly several times and it's probably one of the best things that I've gotten, you know, benefit from using this whole meal delivery. I can get pretty much any alcohol I want delivered to my house within two hours and they use local, you know, vendors in the area. So, right. That's so very helpful. That, all that to say, that's much more advantageous than the helicopter. Much more immediate, right? Yeah. Especially like a rental car. Yeah. Because it is hectic trying to get over to the rental car place, <sighs> have somebody follow you down there. You know, yeah, before you could take an Uber probably now to a re- pick up a rental car. But now they can bring the rental car to you. You don't have to do anything. That seems like a win. And, and they have then, like an hour wait because, you know, especially here in Atlanta, that airport is so busy, it's so large. And the way it's set up now is when you leave the airport, you have to go to a completely different part of the airport that's 
specifically for ride shares. Before, mm-hmm. the ride share just pull up to the main gate, pick you up, go about your business. Now you have to trek out to East Bumblefudge just <laughs> to get to your your Uber. And everybody's there and everybody's trying to figure out which car is theirs. People right. getting in the wrong car. I mean, it's just the best. So right, that's right. definitely so they, beneficial. Yeah, so they shored that up. And you've always been able to, if you're in an Uber and you want them to stop at the fast food spot, you, you could always do that because Uber guy was like, sure, whatever extends the ride means more money for me, right? Bigger but now I think the way this the way that works is when you reserve an Uber, you can actually go in and say, OK, well, I want to reserve, you know, to pick up, you know, you can add the stop, mm-hmm. you know, in, in your route. So the Uber driver's picking you up. No one already that, knows okay. where he has to go. Exactly. Exactly. Versus you springing on because maybe some Uber would be like, nah. Nope. I don't know you. I'm just gonna drop you off where you said, and you're not about to have some detour in the middle of nowhere where I get where I get jacked. Right. right? No, thank but you very much. Them knowing that ahead of time, then they can choose. Okay, this is cool. I'll accept this. You know, this route or mm-hmm. not. Right. Yeah. All right. So Uber with the the updates. Speaking of updates, Netflix, they have finally launched their new shuffle feature called Play Something. It's now accessible to users worldwide. They actually launched it today, which is April 28th. And um, this is the intent behind this Play Something feature is to allow you to, for Netflix to give you some options based on what you've previously watched, uh-huh. probably some AI in there to determine, you know, what have you watched? What have you stopped watching and didn't finish? It'll, you know, give you that option. Um, so it's just, you know, we've all been in the house. I know I have so many shows that I've started and haven't finished. Um, and so it just gives you a, an easy way to say, I don't know what to watch on Netflix. And this play something feature will give you the option to remind you either of something you stop watching or to give you the option to watch something that is in line with some of the other things that you've watched as well. Mm-hmm. And this is so, it's so <laughs> interesting. Um, it's such a mind game. Uh, I'll just use myself as an example. I feel like when I go to watch something on Netflix or just anything, whether it be HBO, Apple TV, whatever, but since we're talking about Netflix, when I go on Netflix and I want to watch something, I feel like I've only got a certain amount of time, two hours, maybe two and a half. I don't want to feel like I wasted that time by picking something dumb or uninteresting or mm-hmm. not what I thought it was going to be. Right. <laughs> so instead of just making a decision and living with it, you know, whether it's going to waste my time or, oh, that was a pleasant surprise. You just scroll and you scroll and you mm. scroll and you, and you watch so much content <laughs> and, and so much content and you watch the trailer and you watch the trailer. And it's like, oh, well, they just told me the whole plot, the whole climax, the whole point of the movie. So I don't so need to watch it. Something, so I find something else. And before you know it, I've wasted time. So the whole point was I don't want to waste my time. So let me pick something that's not going to be a time waste. But then I'm so scared that if I pick something and it's not good, I'm going to feel like my time has been wasted. So I'm indecisive and then I end up wasting time, 20, 30 minutes 
scrolling trying to find something to watch. I just wasted time. <laughs> so all that to say, this shuffle play for people like me may just alleviate a whole lot of anxiety around watching something on Netflix if the um, the analytics is good. If the analytics is good and it knows what I want to watch based on previous watching history, what I've started, what I finished, what I haven't finished, so on and so forth, then I can it will alleviate some of the anxiety and say, hey, just play something. And I just have to get in the mindset of it knows me enough to where it won't feel like a time waste yeah. versus, like I said, going through all that other back and forth. I've wasted time anyway. My food got cold. I'm not interested. <laughs> not in the mood anymore. <laughs> right. I didn't jumped on Twitter or Instagram. Now I spent 45 minutes doing that. And this is like the whole night is wasted anyway. I yeah. didn't even watch anything. Yeah. So putting this in, you know, will alleviate some of that stress of trying to watch something on Netflix. Yeah. And it says um, from the article on TechCrunch, it says the new option can be found on Netflix's TV app underneath mm-hmm. your profile name on the navigation menu to the left of your screen and on the 10th row of your Netflix homepage. So the hope is it allows you to access this option, you know, easier, similar to going over to scrolling over if you want to search for something specific or if you want to look at some of the predetermined um, options. It's it's in a convenient place where you can um, easily access that feature um, without, you know, much, uh, much hubbub. And one of the other things is that it's also making uh, it accessible. Um, this, this, this play something feature except accessible to those who may have some sort of disability. So it says that um, users with screen readers can use uh, speech, uh, text-to-speech to use the Play Something feature. So um, taking in the usability feature for those who may be differently abled um, is always a good uh, good look. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the final thing we have in second string is with Microsoft. Um, most of us probably use Microsoft on a daily basis in some form or fashion. And currently the default font for uh, Microsoft Office is Calibri. Uh, but now uh, Microsoft has decided to change the default font and they are letting users get in on the feedback. So there are five options. Um, I'm not going to try and read their names because some of them I don't know how to pronounce. Um, but it's going to allow um, Office users uh, uh, unofficial poll, uh, so to speak, on, you know, including your uh, your input on, on what you want the, the text to be. Um, I forgot. I can share my screen. Well, and while you do that, I don't remember or don't recall what the current official font is for Microsoft. It's Calibri. Uh, 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 well, I mean, I don't know what it looks like. Oh, okay. Um, so sure. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's the most loved thing about Office. Um, I'm assuming. I don't think people care. <laughs> but it know, seems that people do I, I, at, I, I, at some at some point um i, I suppose because uh, they're doing this whole you know 
uh, press release, press release, out. and you get to vote, so to speak. Um, it looks like while there isn't a formal such vote, the Microsoft is allowing people to go over to social media um, and make their voices heard. And on the screen, if you'll see, let me scroll back up. These are the five fonts you get to um, decide on uh, to be the new default font for uh, for Microsoft Office. They look all the same to me. Yeah. I mean, the grand view, you can kind of see a little bit of difference in the yeah. beer instead because it looks a little bit bolder. But the other three look the same to me. Yeah. Like I said, sure. <laughs> Apparently, maybe this is maybe this is something that is prevalent in um, in a non-Apple world. Um, because I didn't know that. You know. Yeah, but they, they, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a design person. I don't have an eye. But just reading from this story on Tech Radar. The blog post goes into a lot of detail about the design philosophy behind each of the five different fonts, which span the various sans serif styles, humanist, geometric, Swiss style, and industrial. In short, Tenorite, which is one of the fonts, is a very rounded, wide, and crisp font. Berenstadt, I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, it's clear cut and mechanical. Skeena looks clean and has distinctive thicker and thinner strokes for the different bits and letters. Seaford offers greatly organic and asymmetric forms, with Grandview looking rather, well, grand, and built around, highly legible, and generally standing out. I don't know how on earth they got all of that out of these five fonts, but sure. (laughs) Any design folks out there? Want to give us a clue on, right. you know, how this works? Because I know that someone, I think not too long ago, created a whole new font. And I'm like, how do you create a new font? Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I have, this that, is completely that, out of my purview of. Topo- topography is big uh, for those who like it. Yeah. <laughs> for the rest of us, you probably never notice. <laughs> they are probably geeking out seriously over this change. Uh, because they look quite a bit the same, <laughs> with the exception of the two that I mentioned. One looks bigger and one looks bolder, but the other three right. look about the same to me. A right. novice who has no idea about any of this. But I just thought it was interesting because it seemed to be a big deal out here in these streets. So, um, yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And that is it for Second String. We are going to head on over to For the Culture, where we talk about culture moments that um, either affect us or we find interesting. Um, And this week, we've heard of Shut Up and Dribble when it comes to LeBron James and some of his comments um, as not only a famed basketball player, but also as a human person who lives in this country. Um, who gets to commentate on his thoughts on what surrounds him and his family. Now, what I'm calling Shut Up in Tech is the latest um, phenomenon that has hit the Twitter streets. I think this just 
hit yesterday, which was the 27th. And if you don't know, we are talking about Basecamp. Basecamp has caused a flurry of activity to hit the Twitter streets that I haven't seen um, in a while. And that's saying something. So the founder of um, Basecamp, Jason Freed, Fried, I'm not sure how to correctly pronounce it, made this post um, regarding the um, culture changes that were going to happen um, at his company. So it was a, a corporate you know, he posted it on their corporate, um, you know, I think it's called Hey, which is basically kind of their blog-like system that's built into Basecamp. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't, I hadn't heard, honestly, of Basecamp. I hadn't heard of these founders who apparently, based on the little bit of research I did, it is the two guys who are the primary folks, um, uh, again, uh, Jason uh, Freed, who is the co-founder and CEO, and they call the other guy DHH. Those are the initials for his name. He is the CTO. And apparently these two guys have been huge proponents of creating a a corporate culture that is people-focused and people-centered. Basecamp hasn't even been around um, more than, I think it's only been around about 18 years. A lot of other startup companies look have looked up to to this company with the way that they, you know, handle um, their their market space, um, mm-hmm. handle the um, the the founder, you know, startup founder startup culture, mm-hmm. and with this latest offering of the culture changes at Basecamp, it really threw people into a lurch. And I said April twenty seventh, he released this on April 26th, based on the posts that he made on their hey.com site. And um, he outlined one, two, three, four, about six different uh, culture changes that they are going to um, incorporate. And what I gathered from reading his statement and what I gathered from looking at, you know, former base camp, um, employees, current base camp employees, and just other folks in the tech space, he's essentially saying, we don't necessarily care so much about you as a person. We just want you to come to work and do the work and not talk about anything else except for the work. Um, so a little bit of backstory. So, you know, everybody loves base camp, right? The way they came about, the way they do business, I think the owner or co-founder or whomever wrote a couple books, mm-hmm. and it's so like utopia mm-hmm. as it relates to startup, right? It's not traditional tech company into where everybody's in cubicles and everybody has this traditional way of going to work. You know, some of these companies like Google and Microsoft and Apple and all these places offer like these amenities and amenities and all, you know, this, this tech culture base camp was kind of like the, not necessarily the opposite, but it was more of a toned down, you know, you, you know, from what I can remember and what other people have said about them, you know, it's, it was almost like a, a utopia as to 
the people you work with, the processes, you know, you were able to get your work done. It wasn't a super centralized company, you know. Um, so every yeah, so all that to say, everybody wanted to you know kind of emulate them. Mm-hmm. So that's where you know they kind of got their claim to fame. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the software that they provide, I think they offer like two. Their main one is centered around getting things done. You know, getting your team together, everybody being organized on the same page. You know, um, but but um, uh, project management, for lack of a better term, right? But it wasn't traditional like spreadsheets and. You know, it was really kind of you kind of pull everything in and this is where you your base camp for your operations. You know, this is where you sign tasks, you know, give out, you know, uh, information, collaborate back and forth. You know, you could do it via email. You could do it via your mobile phone. So it was kind of real. It was simplistic, which is what everybody wanted. They didn't want to be too complex. Right. So I think that's where they're claiming fame. Right. Mm-hmm. But like you said, based on this research, you know, I'm reading the, the, the show you put in, the story you put in the show notes from The Verge. I think the reason why a lot of people are now not necessarily well up in arms about this about face from Basecamp, you know, in this in this uh, blog that you read, where he's kind of like, all right, it seems like that. They they started one way, mm-hmm. you know. We're going to create this utopia. Everything's going to be nice. You know, we're going to reward people based on the good things they do. You know, we're going to you know allow people to be themselves. You know, and then some 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 stuff came up mm-hmm. about the company. Some some of the underlying, very hidden, not well known inside joke, culture specific. Of, Right. Culture specific things came up, you know, that one of the things that the the story lists was, you know, um, the name, some of the names. I don't know if these were employee names. I don't know no. So were. someone else wrote a post about it. And so the thing is, when they first started Basecamp, someone started a document and they, you know, it was funny names. So it was names that were abnormal to them. But it was, you know, some African names included in there, mm-hmm. um, Western names that they found to be just funny. weird names, just weird right. names that they thought were funny. So apparently, mm-hmm. you know, the person who created the list is no longer at base camp. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 document was taken down. But of course, someone always has a copy and it would just show mm-hmm. back up. And mm-hmm. in this age of awareness and Mm -hmm. making sure that everyone feels seen and no one feels, you know, that they are othered. Mm -hmm. Apparently some employees brought this up and said, Hey, this isn't cool. Right. And so it seems based on some of the things that I've read is that all of these changes that he's outlined basically stem from someone calling them and the company leadership and the company culture to the carpet saying, this isn't right. We shouldn't do this. And so right. now they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And not only that, it's one, it, so they, and like, a, let's get to the about face, right? So somebody brought this thing up. Yo, what's this? I thought y'all were, you know, inclusive. Uh, utopia. Yeah. But now, you know, now you got all this, this inside joke thing. What's up with that? Mm-hmm. Right. So instead of, in my opinion, instead of base camp saying, okay, we hear you. We get it. 
We understand that was whack. Here are all the things we're going to do to make it a better workplace. Mm-hmm. What they did was, oh, so that's the way we do things, right? So we ain't doing nothing now. We Forget it. This. We ain't doing no that. more. Nope. No, no more, more three hundred and sixty reviews. No more no um, benefits, benefits for working out. Right. No more committees. <laughs> we're shutting it all down. You want to come after nothing. me and my fun? <laughs> We are going to shut it down because I was reading through some of the things and Mm. it's weird to me that they they're getting rid of the what is it? The the 360 feedback. Mm. They were getting too many positive reviews. And Mm. I'm like, well, well, that's good. And 360 means you get a holistic view. Everybody gets to give feedback whether instead of just going into a review and your manager giving you feedback, you get to give feedback on your manager, on your team. So everybody gets feedback going both ways. So it, it's, it's, it's odd. It's very it's, odd. It's, it's hypocritical. It's not even odd. It's ironic and even hypocritical for some of these things. Like you, like, like you mentioned, uh, number six, not forgetting what we do here. We make project management, team communication, email software. We are not a social impact company. We ain't worried about what people do. We write business books. We're not putting up no black squares. Right. We speak regularly. We do open open source software. Uh, We do some stuff. That's it. You know, which is different or it appears to be a complete about face. From what they previously, their previous culture. Right. And that they kind of called out other people who didn't do these same type of things. So I think that's what's really pissing people Mm -hmm. off is like you sold us this false bill of sales. And because you got called to the carpet, now you're pissed. And now you're trying to completely change the rules on us. And what I don't understand is you make project management software, team communication, email software. How can you not include societal norms in these types of tools, because everybody from different types of backgrounds, languages, you know, different cultures have to use this software. So you have to have some input based on societal, quote unquote, norms and impacts built into your software. And you're not, as I don't care what you do, I don't care how you change, I don't what how you started, what the goal was. If you have people working at a company and these people are different, Mm -hmm. you're going to get different input. You're going to get different Mm -hmm. impact. You're going to get different feedback. You're going to get different societal norms. You're not different. You're going to get societal norms brought brought into the company culture. You're not going to be able to avoid that. So I don't know if Basecamp starting off was trying to avoid those societal norms by being more of a, um, uh, a kumbaya company or they're trying this whole about face thing to to get rid of the norms that built in spite of or that made them prominent them. like i said like i was gonna say like made them prominent but it, it seems like either way it's not going to work so for you to try to you know Number four, no more lingering and dwelling on past decisions. I'm like, what, what does, does that, that even mean? mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I mean, they got an explanation, but it's like. It's just like on, a man. word salad. It's human nature. Human nature. 
people have regrets. People look back, they think about their decisions like, oh, that was terrible, or oh, how can we make that, that better? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, so it just how do we not make like, that mistake again? Right. It just seems like, and the longest one is the, you know, the course, the, uh, well, no, let me not say that, you know, the no more side on political discussions on our company based camp account. The Verge, the story I was reading makes a good point. The reason why all this dust up came about is because you were having these conversations on your company accounts, on your company account with these little goofy inside joke things. Now somebody called you on it. And now you want to say, okay, you know, this ain't what we're about. But technically. They try to take their toys and leave is basically what they're doing. Because you got called out, you're trying to take your toys and leave. And you don't think anybody is going to hold you accountable for it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it is, it's ironic at the least, hypocritical at the most Mm -hmm. that, you know, like you said, they tried to build this thing and outside of these underlying inside issues, everything seemed okay. And it probably was, Mm -hmm. but the fact that they were so willing to make all of these changes, quote unquote, you know, new adoptions, whatever you want to call them. Pretty much unanimously without any input. (laughs) Right. It sounded like they were embarrassed And instead of, you know, accepting or, you know. Saying we uh, messed up. We shouldn't have done that. And we're going to do better. Accepting the responsibility and saying something simple as, yeah, we're going to try a little bit better. We're going to try a little bit more harder to be more inclusive in some areas or be less inclusive. It's it's okay to say, you know, at this company, we want to focus on what our customers want. And that's what we're going to do. It's okay to say that. But to, to... to, to to put all this other extra stuff in here like we were doing y'all a favor so now y'all tripping we're gonna take all these things away from you to show you how how bad it can be stuff. right right it's and the thing like- is he they he made a comment after this kind of blew up I couldn't find it I don't know if he changed it or did something and he basically said I said what I said and I'm not thinking about the right now I'm thinking about the future and how better we're going to be after this. And people were like, bro, this is so not what you should be saying. So then he made another statement. Um, oh, no, DHH made the statement. And mm-hmm. he, you know, kind of followed up, uh, you know, to what uh, to what the Jason guy was saying. And then he has a section called Aftermath. And it starts with, unsurprisingly, parts of Twitter is very period disappointed period in period us period. It's it's just it's, it's not just, it's wrong wrong well, all the way around. It's just odd that these two founders or this company was kind of like the de facto, so much so as it relates to company culture mm-hmm. that they wrote books on. Yo, this is how you do company culture. Yeah, you gotta do this you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do that. But then somebody called their own company culture. Like, yeah, we was talking to y'all. We weren't talking about us. We weren't talking about <laughs> us. Right. Do as I say, not as I do. Right, right. So it is kind of odd that you would, this type of about face, uh, base camp would be it's shocking. Last, you wouldn't, last you wouldn't company. have expected this from right. them. And so now the their current employees are coming out and, you know, kind of piling on to the mm-hmm. whole thing. 
Yeah. So now that they're actually doing it, it's just like, okay, all right. I mean, it's your company. You are a, regardless of what bill of goods you try to sell people, you are a for-profit, you know, privately owned, you know, to my knowledge company, and you can do whatever you want to do. People can either stay or people can either leave. But all this, we are a, you know, this ideal company you're not we are the gold standard they they formed themselves to be the gold standard Mm -hmm. in startup company culture and now when you call them on it it's like they're gonna huff and puff and and try and blow the house down yeah it sounds like just a bunch of huff and puff Mm -hmm. and it's like oh i thought y'all were the the benchmark Mm -hmm. now you just you you you, you ready like you said take your ball and go home that's the attitude Coming out of base camp. Yeah. Okay. All right. You don't want to play. You don't want to play the game the way I want to play it, even though there are already rules in place that I put in place. You don't want to follow my rules that I made, but just for you, not for me. Fine, then I'll take my ball and I'm going to go home. Right. So it will be interesting to see there, you know, according to the story on Verge, they mentioned, you know, a lot of these anonymous people from inside the company were making these comments. You know, a lot of people was like, all right, well, um, what's next? So it'll be interesting to see if they have an exodus mm-hmm. from the company. Shoot, you know, they may attract that. They might attract people who want to be that, uh, about that life. Exactly. So, you know, either way, you know, we'll see uh, how it comes out, you know, um, if they are the bastion of, you know, tech company culture going forward or not. But I definitely think the shine has definitely dimmed on mm-hmm. base camp after mm-hmm. this dust up. Right. And this culture and, shift. And the the issue wasn't that big a deal. So if they, again, like I said, I, I keep trying to close, but it's just odd. You know, this issue, insensitive, you know, rub people the wrong way, a little bit disrespectful, but it ain't like shocking (laughs) right like it's not like you walking around calling everybody n-words right no no you know sex cult or no you know underage in you know behind the scenes eyes wide shut type activities you know yeah and it's just people coming to the realization because i'm looking at the article and it's saying that customer service representatives begin keeping a list of names they found funny More than a decade later, current employees were mortified by the practice that none of them would give me a single example of the name on the list. This is from the article on The Verge. Uh So um, it said that many of the names were of American or European origin, but others were Asian or African. And eventually the list titled, quote, best name ever, best names ever, began Uh to make people uncomfortable. So uncomfortable is prompted them to do this whole about face. Of course, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were mortified. I'm pretty sure it was some some college humor uh, mixed with a little bit of insensity, insensitivity. It's called, they say in the article, what, what once felt, blah, what once had felt like an innocent way to blow off steam amid the ongoing cultural reckoning over speech and corporate responsibility. So it was just a way for them to make a cute little joke. We're going to blow off steam by making fun of someone's name. Right. And I'm pretty sure if somebody would have outed the memo or the picture or the document or whatever the case may be, some people would be like, yeah, that was kind of poor taste. But mm-hmm. nowhere near some of the issues some of their you know fellow startups have had over the years 
But they took it so personal, it seems like. And they just reacted just like (laughs) they burned the house down to kill a single spider. It's just it's just a huge to me, it seems like an overreaction. And they could have came out looking so much better had they just made a simple statement saying they recognize that the list is out there. It was started previously. It was stupid. It was stupid. We've reassessed and we realized it's not the type of company that we are, that we want to be, that we want to have our employees around. And we're going to to make some changes to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Yeah. Simple, straight to the point, but no. They took it super personal. Super personal. And that's, I think, one of the problems when, one of the issues that can be when you think of the startup culture, because this came from the founders. Mm -hmm. You can't fire the founders unless you're like an IPO that has like a board of directors. Mm -hmm. They get to pretty much, you know, rule with an iron fist if they so please, because this is their creation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the things that when you when you look at it in a broader sense is that the power that the founders have, um, you know, it 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 could be a problem. And had this right. come up, not if this list had not been started pretty much as soon as the company started, you know, they could kind of, you know, separate themselves from it. But because this was a company culture thing that they pretty much did from the very beginning, there mm-hmm. was no way for them to separate themselves. And the only thing that they thought, I guess, they could do was blow it up. And and maybe, like you said, you know, speaking of personal, maybe since it started so early and it started when they were there, you know, maybe they thought it re- reflected on them directly mm-hmm. as in they are offended mm-hmm. or started it or at the very least turned a blind eye. And allowed it, it to continue, yeah. While in turn going out into the world and being this model company and even maybe even wagging fingers. Lecturing other, other people. Com- right. Mm-hmm. For doing for how they do things. Again, I haven't read none of the books, but I can remember that Basecamp was the model company for a tech culture. So the fact that maybe it took, like I said, they, they took his mad personal. <laughs> yeah, they did. Right. Yeah. All right. That is it for For the Culture. Let's head on over to the hookup. There are lots of things that are going on, especially as it relates to um, iOS 14.5. But I think Brother Tech is taking a different direction with the hookup this week. Well, not necessarily a different direction, but an unknown one. Um, AirPods, AirPods Pro, uh, very few and far between, but they do get firmware updates. I don't think a lot of people knew that. And more importantly, there's no really way to force a firmware update, but when um, releases like iOS 14.5, uh, Apple will release a firmware update. And in most cases, well, in all cases, the update will automatically go through when your AirPods are connected to your iPhone via Bluetooth. But depending on how frequently or infrequently you listen to AirPods, you may just be on a old firmware version. So to be able to check that, that's my hookup. This is how you check for your AirPods firmware version. Basically, you open the settings app on your iPhone. Of course, you go to Bluetooth menu. You find your AirPods in the list of devices and you tap the I for information next to the AirPods and then you look at the firmware version. Now, iOS 14.5 just came out. And like I mentioned, 
Apple did release a new firmware update, so the current version you should be on is 3E751. So if you you know go through the process and you see you're on that firmware version, you're on the latest update. If not, then you probably need to make sure that your AirPods are charged up. You need to make sure that they are connected to your iPhone via Bluetooth. And once Apple recognize that, it will push down that version. Again, we really don't know what new or different or update or change came from this new firmware version. All we know, there was a recent update. So if you do want to check that, that's my hookup for the week. Cool. All right. That's our show for the week. Definitely download, rate, and review us. We're on Apple Podcasts, the newly redesigned Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can definitely engage with us on social media. We're at SnobOSCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, be sure to watch us on YouTube. We're at SnobOSCast. Definitely like and subscribe to our channel so that you get the updates when we have new content available. Also, if you want to leave us any comments or suggestions or feedback, feedback, definitely hit us up on the web. We're snobwestcast.com. Or you can also shoot us over an email at snobwestcast uh, at gmail.com. Additionally, you can become a Patreon to support the show for as little as $5 a month by going to patreon.com slash snobwestcast. With this um, support, monthly support, you get access to our pre-show content, access to our live show taping, and uh, also access to our community chat forum. Also, you can drop us off a one-time love offering over at PayPal. We can accept that at paypal.me slash snobwest. And that is it for the week. We will see you guys next week. Have a good one. Peace. Bye.